Welcome to Ben Navarra's podcast with your host, Ben Navarra's. We're just going to do a quick practice test to see, just talking to your mic real quick. This is Judy Sutherland, and I was born and raised in Amarillo, Texas, the Panhandle. Cool. What brought you to Bryan, Texas? My dad. My dad was born and raised in Bryan, Texas. So what? we just came here. We moved here in 78. And we ain't never left. It's a long while ago. Oh, yeah. But Amarillo was more fun because it snowed. You had more to do. Here, it's not so much to do. There's almost nothing to do here. <laughs> True. I think that it forces people to have to connect with each other. True. All you really have are people. Yep, because everybody always come to my house. My house is like the party house. Good to know. Good to know. So, so we party at your, we party at Miss Judy's house. Yes, we party all the time. Don't we see that? We party every day. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, and in '78, how old were you? I was in seventh grade. I don't even know. Seventh grade ish. Mm-hmm. But like when we stayed, when I was in Amarillo. I used to run. We used to play sports when I moved here. You went to school here. They didn't have sports for girls like baseball and track and all that. So once I got adapted to here, I started gaining weight because there just wasn't any sports for you to play, like period and stuff like that. And I was a very big competitor. When I did start playing basketball here, and we would have these people that couldn't play. So I would get mad. I would tell my dad, I quit today. My dad like, you can't just quit. That's, that's what you did. When the girl threw the ball over the, over the backboard, I don't want to play anymore. So I always quit every day. <laughs> I quit today. I don't want to run. I don't want to do that anymore. Quitting every, bit, every day but still showing up every day? Yeah. And was that more your dad forcing you to go? Or did you still want to go that no, following and day? My dad, my dad was... My daddy was more like, he just did whatever, because it was all girls. We had no brothers. So he pretty much, instead of talking to my mom about girl problems, we always told him. And then when he passed away, it was more like, man, we have to go talk to her about problems. Because like, we didn't really like her, because she was more tougher on us. Well, my dad, you can do something, and he'll cry. So it'd be like, yeah, we get him. Like, you make an elf, you know, you can get by with her. It don't he was, I mean, all of y'all were his daddy's, daddy's girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, he wasn't my, he's my stepfather, but I would say my father because he took, he married my mom, and I had three other sisters. He only, so he only had one child, but when he introduced us, he introduced us as, those are my girls. And you look at today, when people have stepkids, they're my step. Yeah, we don't buy them nothing, but he he treated us all the same. He taught me how to drive, taught me how to change a tire. 
because he used on his uh on gas station and stuff like that. So during the summer, we used to all we had to do just sit there and make money, just 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 be there. We didn't have to really do nothing. We just sit there. It's a pretty good life. Yes, <laughs> that's that's nice. So yeah, we you know we kind of did stuff. We moved here. It was okay, but people just didn't like, people didn't like us at all. And uh, cause I had a my baby sister was two years younger than me. She was taller than me though. I started being taller than everybody, and I had a cousin there like seven feet tall. I started taller than them, and then it was like. Okay, I got cheated. <laughs> and none of them play basketball. They stay, and they still stay in the middle of the so. How often do you get to see them? Majority of them, pretty much all of them, them passed away, but just that my one cousins, they still down there. I'm planning on going to see them. I haven't seen them in a, it's been maybe five or six years since I've seen them. It's been a little while. And it's di- and then we went to Amarillo, and it's so different now. Like it used to be that, and then now you get like, oh wow, everything is different. You go back to the old neighborhood, the old neighborhood changed because you got the younger generation done tore down the houses and stuff like that. So after that, we just go down there. We just right after my accident, me, CJ, and my grandson, we just jumped in the car and drove and. I told CJ, hey, go, go knock on that door right there. And my one of my aunts didn't know who CJ was. And he said, you drive all the way down here? Yeah. Like we, we just get in the car and drive. How long of a drive is that? I mean, that's eight hours now. That's we a didn't. Lo- that's a long drive. Six. We didn't six. We weren't driving that fast. Just you go with the flow of the traffic. <laughs> and we get there and stuff like that. The further north you get, everyone starts driving faster and faster. I feel you get on that freeway, people are driving nine, you're still getting passed up. You're like, man. Yeah, if you go too slow, people do it. You know. Yeah, people get mad at you. Mm-hmm. And then um, I had a cousin that went to Texas A&M. And then William Thomas played for the Aggies, and he played with the Eagles for 12 years. And played with the Raiders for two years. Yeah. He's out there playing ball for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think he graduated in 87 or 88. And he never thought he was going to get drafted because he thought he was just too small. He was and he, fast. And, uh, mm-hmm. he was uh He graduated from Caldwell Canyon, Caldwell High. Where's that? In Emerald. So he threw, he was quarterback, but they ended up putting him at safety. And he threw a football from one, from one end of the football field to the other end. But they just put him as uh, that. And then I think when he got the pros, they put him at tight end. He must have grown since then. I mean, he did. He ended up getting bigger. You yeah. know, it was just like. Lifting a lot of weights, trying to keep up. Eating a lot of all that good food. And none of his boys play football. I think there's pros and cons to football, you know? Yeah. It, it can cause some, some, some brain injuries, you know? <laughs> Too much brain injury, yeah. Too much. So how many 
kids do you have? We have? You know we have CJ. We have CJ. I have a daughter that just turned 35. And I have one that's 29. So 25, 35, 29, and 25, right? Yeah, CJ going to be 25. You're not going to be 24, do you? What you finna be? <laughs> Man, there's a little bit of separation, like a little bit, a bit of a gap there in, in age, it looks like. Oh, yeah. right? The 10-year the gap um, from the oldest to youngest. Was there just... Well, what was the reason? That um, my oldest daughter, she's not mine, but I took her in from when she first came in to the world. And then... The one that's 29, that's also her sister. Her mom got into some bad habits and just took me in. And then CJ came. They didn't like CJ. <laughs> the auto, she, she like, I don't, I don't like CJ. She did not like CJ. CJ took too much attention from, from mom. Yeah, because she was used to just being the only one. And then when CJ came, she was like, I just don't like to. She's still jealous of you. It's the hair. <laughs> <laughs> so no, her hair just is not. His hair started out being longer than all of them, and then he cut it. This is the longest I think I've ever seen. I mean, I haven't done it forever, but this is the longest I've seen your hair. He grew his hair for 21 years with no haircut. And you cut it when he was, what, 21? Yeah. And he cut his hair until he was 21. Crazy. That's too much hair to take care of. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what convinced you to take two people in that weren't necessarily yours? Well, first of all, my doctor said I could not have kids. You're never going to have kids. You know? And then I always say CJ is my miracle kid because when I, I didn't even know I was pregnant. I didn't know I was pregnant until I was eight months. And then when I went to the doctor, my doctor was like, Okay, this wasn't supposed to happen. And then, almost, he was supposed to be born on my birthday, but he ended up being born in October. So I had, and I worked at the Bradford Center and stuff like that, and I worked all day. And I kept like, man, I'm having these pains and stuff like that. So then I get home, and I tell his dad, hey, I think I gotta go to the hospital. And my mom didn't see that. Like, we don't have any boys. CJ, when CJ came on, I was like, oh, Lord, it's a boy. Oh, yeah. But they were best friends. Him and my mom, they were best friends. But he I, always thought he was smarter than everybody. I heard about a little bit about Gigi. <laughs> yeah. She was a tough lady, is what I've heard. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. She... You say something to her, she gonna correct you. <laughs> like, she gonna come correct, like she would get you and stuff like that. But as we grew up, knowing her, because like I told you, man, got to talk to this woman right here. But she was just teaching us how to live life. Because when my dad, um, my dad was like twelve years older than my mom, so when my dad passed away in eighty one. My mom was barely 30-some years old. So raising all of us and stuff like that, I mean, she, I mean she'll tell you, like, when we played sports, I said, well, mama can't uh, so-and-so ride with me. Well, now, tell your parents to do it. I'll be like, 
But the other day, their parents took us on. Well, I'm not taking those people <laughs> Like, she was just like that. And people, if you looked at her, you'd be like, she don't like people. She do. Yeah, that's just the way she was. She used to tell CJ, I'll be like, Mom, can you watch CJ? Nah, because, you know, he he be trying to correct you on stuff. <laughs> like, he would just say stuff or jump out on it. And then she got him to learn how to play the guitar at Johnson Elementary. My mom was at Johnson Elementary for 27 years. And so she would pick CJ up from school, and then he'd learn how to play the guitar and stuff like that. So he would hang out with her. Yeah, every now and then. Every now and then? Mm-hmm. I mean, enough to learn the guitar seems like quite a little bit. Oh, yeah. They just found one that was in the, in the trash can, and Mr. Mosqueda put the things on there, and he just started picking it. He does it now. He'll just pick it up and no way. start playing it. Do you still enjoy playing the guitar? I mean, I wish you had a mic a little bit, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you still play the guitar? You still play your keyboard? A little bit. Same thing. I just I hardly have time now these days. Man of many skills. Yes. Many skills, little focus. <laughs> little you gotta stay focused though. Staying focused is hard nowadays, I feel like. I feel like it's it's harder now than it used to be. Maybe that's just an excuse, but I think now things just move so fast. That's because the younger generation it's, uh, I'm not going to say the lady, like my granddaughter, she's getting ready to turn 16 on Saturday, on Sunday. And I was like, well, just walk just around. Oh, who walks? No, you know. Or I said, well, if I get you a scooter, you're like, scooter? Oh, no, I'm not doing that. You know, it's like, I said, back in my day, when my parents told us we can walk to our friend's house, oh, my God, we were like, Oh, we can go three blocks forward. <laughs> yeah. And now kids be like, you know, they don't want to go outside. They don't want to do nothing. They don't want to just sit there. Come on, man, do something. They don't want to do stuff. Because it's so much easier to sit inside and just play the video games. True that. You know, it's like, when we were growing up, we had to go outside. Like, our parents go to work at 8 o'clock. We can come back until noon. I mean, you better find you somewhere to go in between that time. And then once you eat your lunch, they put a big thing of water outside. You ain't come back in until five. I'm like, man, we had a seven. And then kids now, they ain't, yeah, I am, yeah, I'm good. If you don't play that, it's right here. But I think it's also like if, if like my sisters were to go out after, you know, between those two hours and go walk to a friend's house, my parents would be, where you at? Why aren't you home? What's going on? Are you alive? Are you okay? And there's a there's a sense of security with with parents over the, over the children. yeah the generation now yeah man it's like wait well, yeah. you sure you're not you yeah know? you know send me a picture you know send me a picture where you hit you know my mom but did that all the time back in the day we just hey mom we're going over so and so that okay but nowadays it's just so much out there you know you can't even let your kid really walk to school. Because you got all these crazy people doing all this crazy stuff and stuff like that. Do you think that there were still those crazy people doing crazy things back then? You just didn't hear about it as much? It probably was, but it wasn't as bad as it now. It's 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 bad, bad now. It's just I think was it? somebody was just missing out of college 
station, some random kid just disappeared. And it's like, because they can, they do so much. You know, they're on their phones now. They, social media, you got Instagram, you got all these kids just doing stuff, and their parents don't know what they're doing and stuff like that. Like me, I have no clue how to do Instagram. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. <laughs> but it's so much technology. And like I told my granddaughter, y'all have so much compared to when we went. We didn't have all that. I said, we literally had to go to the library. Y'all just pick it, pull out your laptop, and you know, you pull out and do your little book report and stuff. We had to literally read the books. Or go find the books, right? You have to actually go to the library. There, you pay somebody to do <laughs> I can't do this report. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's different though. It is. Time, times are different. And so you you mentioned a name, Mr. Mosqueda, which Mr. Mosqueda used to do the 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 strings on the guitar for CJ. He was a guitar teacher. Mm-hmm. He was a, what did he teach? Uh, visit. And he did, and he would. Um, after school, he would teach kids how to play the guitar and some stuff like that. I, so I build homes for a company here in town, and we use Mosqueda heating and cooling. Mm-hmm. Is that the same Mosqueda? I think they are. I think they're cousins. Nice. Small yeah. world. It's just the name immediately just, huh, I know that name. That's weird. Yeah. So I, I am interested and wanted to ask you, part of the reason that we're here is um, CJ had mentioned that you had had an accident when he was probably 12, so 2010. 2010. And I I want you to kind of tell your story rather than me asking leading questions here. I just want you to kind of take me back to 2010. 2010 was, it was rough. I used to work for Bradley's County I started working at Bradley's County in 1981. I was 15 years old. And I was still working there when I was 45. And you know how you get all these different bosses. One boss just, every day I would go to work. And I'd be like, okay, well, I make it today. And I was down to a year and a half for retirement. That's how close I was. And... One day, I'm, I'm out there working. She called me and told me she was, told me she was terminating me. And I'm like, you know. But it was more like it was a blessing because I felt like one day I was going to have a heart attack. Because every time I go, I'd be like, oh, well, I make it through these eight hours and stuff like that. So anyway, she terminated me. I had to come to reality because I've never not had a job. I've always had a job. And so then I end up, and I was also working for Christmas in the Park for the City of College Station. Christmas Park had been doing that for 12 years. And... I didn't realize they'd been around that long. Oh, they've been around for a long time. They've really grown then, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. They were... And uh, TJ, when he was growing up, he used to go with me, and he used to be the little elf. When I used to do, when the kids come inside to see Santa Claus, you know, he was a little elderly too, you know, he got grown, so he went out and started doing other stuff, so it just got really rough, and she, when she terminated me, and I'm like, 
I have no money. And then the city of College Station gave me like eight jobs. So I literally worked eight jobs to try to make it till a year and a half. So it's time for my retirement. So we happened to be at, we're working Christmas in the park. After closed, I have to go to the bank, put money in the bank. So we're going back and one of CJ's friend came with us. You know, he wanted to make money for Christmas. And so we go to Taco Bell and we eat. And I usually save beer cans for a friend of mine. So we get to Taco Bell and I'm like, hey, you know, y'all, let's throw these cans out, these beer cans out. And I didn't know that was going to happen. So anyway, after those cans, we're getting ready to go home. We're getting on the highway. we on Harvey Road. We turn left, get on to the thing. This car comes, and we flip at least six times. Like, we literally flip six times. We flip from going towards Brian to the other side of the highway. CJ's in the car. He doesn't get hurt. His friend, I think his friend broke his clavicle and stuff like that. So they get out of the car. So I'm still not, I don't even know what happened until I get to the hospital. So after I do come down, I'm like, how y'all just going to leave me in the car? And they're like, why y'all leave me in the car like that? <laughs> and CJ's like, well, mama, this lady came, which we still cannot find this lady, told them not to touch me. So what ended up happening was I broke my whole neck. So it was just barely hanging on. And oh my God. so then um, they tell my friend Sheila that I may not make it through the surgery. And I kept saying, man, that man don't always talk about, I'm, I'm going to make it through this. Like I never doubted myself. And the doctor go and he's telling me and he was like, he asked me what I was nervous. Now, God's going to you know, guard's going to guide you through this and we're going to get through here. And then when I got it, and I started, and I finally fell asleep because I was just talking like, yeah. and then he was like, so when I made it through there and stuff like that, and she was like, you're never going to walk again. We're going to have to take care of you. And then they finally get me to go to Tears Memorial in Houston where I got to meet the congresswoman because that's around the time she got hurt. And I went down there and started doing stuff like they had no idea what to expect of me because they were like, like, I remember when I met my doctor, her name was Mrs. Wenzel. Her name was Wenzel. She doubted me. She thought I caused my rape because she was going by what the thing said, and I didn't. So I get there. I, w- I want to take a half step back real quick. So you, you wake up. You're in the hospital. I'm crazy. I, I am like, morphine is not my best friend. I was just like, how could you just leave me there? Then I started, I thought I had a throw. I was like, so they flipped me over. I was like, get it, man, I got throw. You know, I got throw. They're in the hospital. You're, you're, you're I'm like having tripping. this I'm feeling. Like I'm like tripping because they done gave me all this morphine and stuff. And I'm like, what you call it? And then my lawyer and people come in. And I'm, you know, they're all crying like, why are y'all crying? I'm going to be okay. And they're like, Judy, that's not what the doctor said. I said, that man don't know nothing. He ain't, I said, King God, I said, God did not save my life just for me to die like that. You know, you 
over there, I mean, I understand my neck was just barely hanging on there like that. And they were like, well, you're never going to walk again. And I kept telling people, I, and I told my daughter, I said, you know what, y'all better get a book and start writing it down because I'm going to do something you people ain't never seen. <laughs> so then when I get to... I have another question, if you okay. don't mind. Did you feel any pain? Like when, like when you were waking up, did you feel and like did you real? Did you know that you were paralyzed from the neck down? When I finally woke up and the doctor came and I said, and I was real calm about like, so did this man I'm gonna be? You know, I'm like calm like, so did this man I'm gonna be paralyzed? And you know what? I was fine with it. It was just like you know, I'm like because I mean I had been through so much. You know, I lost my mom in '08, and then. Lose my job and just to do that right there, and it was, and uh, I didn't feel anything because you know they were poking me and this and then I'm like, nope, nope, you know and stuff like that. But I kept telling everybody, I'm, I said I'm gonna do something you people ain't never seen in your life. And How, why were you so confident? Why why was it in you that you just knew? Because I just you know you have to think like this. Here I am. I done flipped over. CJ really didn't have anybody. I mean, he had like the city conversation stuff, but he didn't have anybody really there to take care of him. So I'm like, okay, I have got to get on. So when I get to Houston and I tell the doctor, hey, I got to hear him get back here. She's like, why? <laughs> I, you know, and I'm like, I've never not had a job. Like, I got bills to pay. You know, I got all this stuff. But never once did I doubt myself. And when they took me there and the doctor, she... Like, she said something, and I, and I told my nurse, I said, oh, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to have to tell her something so when she gets you, I tell this doctor off completely because she was doubting me. And I was like, I said, look, either you're going to believe in me or you can move on and give me another doctor. So once, I, once we got that relationship, once I started doing stuff, I started moving my leg. I would play jokes on my nurses and stuff. I was like, Miss Miss Deborah, my legs moved. She said, "Yeah, that's said, No, I didn't. I was just lying. You know, I, you know, I just, I just playing with you and stuff like that. But I never begged for medicine. Like I had one roommate that jumped, fell out of a three-story building, and they were taking like all this, like all this medicine. I'm like, girl, that's 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 a lot of medicine. And my medicine, like I never called. Like they would ring the bell. I never rang the bell or anything. They would come, Miss Do you need anything? No, I'm good, you know, I'm good, I'm good. And then I got really bored because I just, they were just laying me in the bed. And I was like, can I get up? Can I, can you put me in a wheelchair? So one of my PTs come in and she asked me that I won't go downstairs. Man, I was glad. Like, it, it was around Christmas time. Like this was, I was living in the hospital doing Christmas. Yeah. And they take me, take me down and she said, you want to exercise? I was like, yeah, you know. And then... Every time I did something, I I turned it, you know, I turned a negative into a positive. So my my PT, name, her name was Adele, we would do crazy stuff when we get in trouble. And my doctor said, I said, listen, you told me to do whatever she did. I mean, we would do some of the craziest stuff. Like what? Like, you're supposed to take your blood pressure when you're doing, they had this thing where they would elevate me up in the air. Well... The machine kept breaking, so I said, but it wasn't, it wasn't my fault, and my doctor would do that. And then every Wednesday, we would have a, 
psychiatrist come through there and he would tell you this, this, and that. Well, he told me I had brain damage because he asked me how did I feel about the kid that hit me. i like, well, you know, I mean, I was young, stupid, you know. You know, he just, you know, it's just a young kid, you know what I'm saying? But he told me that I had brain damage, so. Because you were too accepting of the I was, fact? Yeah, because he's like, well, you just got brain damage. And then I, and so. That's crazy. In the meeting, he really took me on. I was like, he said, this and that. And I was like, your mama. So every time, so then I started moving my legs and stuff. I played a joke on Sheila and my friend, my best friend Maggie, which she passed away. She also helped me. So she would come in, and I would pretend like my legs were hurting. I'd be like, can you let this thing down right here? And i start swinging my legs and stuff like that. And my dog's like, like every time I did, I turned a negative into a positive. And then my doctor would tell me to go downstairs on Saturday. So I'd go. And then I'd come at my nurse and say, your doctor looking for you. Why is she looking for me? She told me to go downstairs. Like, I turned all my negatives into true positives. I didn't ask for medicine. And I seen how people just wanted medicine. And then you had people. And you met, I met a lot of people in the hospital. And they all hated God. They said, I just hate God because God puts us. I said, sometimes we have to, God puts us in this position because we, you know, I was going through a lot. I mean, man, I went from making $5,000 to six and like $900 and all half of that went towards medical for me and see the insurance. So I only had $25 left. And then I owed the IRS on top of that. And uh, it was just like, I was just positive about it. And I, and I stay like that now. Like people be like, well, how did you make it through that? God, I'm putting more than what we can handle. We just go to the times and stuff. There's a quote, God puts his toughest sh soldiers through the toughest battles mm -hmm. or something like that. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's, there's truth to that. You just, you just go, you know, you just, you just go through it and stuff like that. And then my doctor, you know, uh, my friend Maggie, she would always come with me and she ended up getting her cancer back and stuff like that. And me, she would hang out with me and stuff like that. And if it really was not for her, that's the reason why I do what I do, because it wasn't for her. She believed in me. She was like, yeah, you can do that. I said, I'm going to walk again. I said, it won't be the way I normally would, but anything doesn't just sit up there feeling sorry for yourself. And then I couldn't write, so I had always put like a little X. And then I was telling everybody about the people that were signing in, like they were trying to teach us how to sign our name and stuff. All the people that were in the hospital, they were all about trying to get that check. And I was like, I don't, I said, I ain't even worried about the money. I just want to, I want to get back to being normal, which I knew that was never going to happen. But I learned to just accept the way I was and stuff like that. I mean, um, this isn't something so. And, you know, then they taught you how to tear a toilet paper. That's how positive I was about myself. Like, oh, I could tear this toilet paper. Well, I couldn't, you know, and I would make a joke about it. I was like, man, this must be this industrial toilet paper, that hard toilet paper. So I'm inside <laughs> going yes. in the room, and I'm sitting in there, and my nurse like, what are you doing? I'm trying, trying to learn the toilet, the toilet paper to the women. So when I was in class, I, 
I mean, I really could not. I was like, because I couldn't, I didn't have any feeling in my hands, so I couldn't feel stuff like that. Do you have feeling in your hands now? Oh, yeah. Because it seems like your upper body, I, mean, I can see you walking, right? And but your upper body seems like you're, you move fairly well. Like your dexterity is pretty, pretty up there. Can oh, you yeah. write and type and? Oh yeah, I'm on, I'm on YouTube all the time. <laughs> That's the place to be. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm on I'm on everything and stuff like I love that. that. I just never doubt myself. I just and I get up and move. And then a couple of my friends call me to go on a cruise. I'm like. Man, I can't go on a cruise. So why? Where's all? Look at me. What if the ship go down? I'm black. I can't swim. You know. <laughs> but once I got on there and I done it, and I I had so much fun. I told CJ, I said, I'm getting ready to go on another cruise. And Mama, you go on more cruises. And I did a <laughs> um, a train, an Amtrak train from Houston to New Orleans. Oh, that's cool. And so I. Um, we just, you know, travel and stuff like that, and we do stuff. And so what else did we do? I have a question for you, if you don't mind. Okay. How was the what? Are, what are the steps that you went through? Because you were you were at the hospital for two years out in Houston, right? No, I was there. Let's so wait. We went. I left the hospital here. Twelve twenty one ten. And then I got to go, then I went straight over there. I think I was there maybe eight or nine months. And then they kick you out. Like, man, they like, you got to get out of here. So when you finish your nine months, are you, are you walking like you walk now? Or no, not I was even still, No, I was still, I was in a wheelchair. Okay. And then I started going to therapy here. But therapy here in it's different from in tears. In tears, they take you all kind of places. Like they make you swim. They make you do stuff. The one here, not here. The one in over here, there in Houston. Gotcha. So, so when you got here, what was that experience like? I feel like I feel like they don't give people enough time to develop what they really need to do. Cause they okay, get out too, man. I said. So what happened? I was going to therapy, and, uh, you know, I didn't feel like I was getting what I really needed to get. So I just told my doctor, hey, I'm just going to start going to the gym. So I just started going to the gym. And what I like about the people that I go to the gym with, they push me. Like, the gym that I go to now, Alicia's, I had one of my trainers teach me how to do a deadlift sitting in my, you know, on the bench. No way. And I, and what I'm, I'm all about, I'll never say I can't. I'm, I will always try it. And I'm just doing it now. I'm like, so I said, I shoot the uh, thing to CJ and tell CJ. That's okay. You can, you can leave it down. You can leave it off. So I was telling CJ them about, like, hey, you know, I sent a picture to Mom, that's good. But he knows me. I'm more, I'm a challenge to myself. I always challenge myself. You seem like the hardest worker I know. Like, that's insane. The fact that you, we, we skipped around a little bit, but the fact that you're still, like, your decision was, oh, I'm not getting enough here at this rehab place. Let me just go ahead and find my own gym. I, I'm, that's insane. And I love my train, you know, I love the people, my PT and my OT, but I just feel like they don't give people enough. Yeah. You know, like, they give you this, this, and that, okay, you know. 
So I was just like, well, so now all I do is I just train. So I have, one of my trainers used to be at Gold's Gym, but he trains me at his house, and then I go to the other one. So I probably had about seven trainers. So, you know, some of them be here, some stay there, and stuff like that. So now I've got three trainers right now. I think I've seen you, like not now, like I'm, I'm thinking about it. Did you ever go to the one at Tower Point? Yes. That's where Nick and, yep. you remember Becky? I do remember Becky. Becky was my number one trainer. She the one made me get out of my wheelchair. She no was way. like, I went, and I was like, who is this little tiny woman? Because <laughs> I'm more like, I got to really like you. Because if I don't like you, I will show it. So she came, she's like, yeah, you can come to the gym and don't bring that wheelchair. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and like, we're, we're, still, like, we're still friends and stuff like that. But I like it because they push me. Because most people are like, oh, you probably go to the gym and you probably don't do anything. I'm like, huh. No, I, I actually have to work out. I have to pull stuff. You have to. Mm -hmm. And then in 2017, we, one of my trainers, Chris Adams, he works at Brazos Running. And um, he had this um, running group called uh, Long Star Running. We start kids out with one mile and we get them up to a half marathon. Oh, my God. So I started volunteering to do that and stuff. That's a that's kind of got kind of got CJ in the doing some of it, you know. He did stuff like that, and I like doing that and stuff. So my trainer Chris in twenty seventeen called me. He was like, "Hey, let's do a three k, a five k." So we did it on Thanksgiving. So we walked. We got up about five thirty in the morning, and we had kids. And CJ and some more people walked with me. I did. It took me a long time, but that was the first time I ever did it before. Like, Dude. I would practice. Like, I went to Rudder one time, and I was practicing, and my friend was supposed to go. She goes, well, let's just quit, you know? And I'm not a quitter. Once I start something, I have to finish. So I was at Rudder, and I was walking all the way up Austin Colony to Boonville. So all of a sudden... This white guy got out of the car. I'm like, where is this man going? Well, you know, being my lawyer, he said, what are you doing? <laughs> Something stupid over here, you know. And I did it. He said, well, do you need help? No. He said, what do you got to do? I, have to, I said, I got to go from here all the way to the light to uh, over the Linus Road, come back, and then get in my car. And I did. And then when we did that right there, and he told me he was so proud of me. And so, like, he trying to call me to do it again. Then, but I'm like, I know. That's a, I mean, so that was your first time doing a 5K. And that's the first time doing a 5K. Since my accidents. Since the accident. I just, and I didn't really, really practice. You know, I kind of just, I can do it. You know, I can do this. This is easy. That last mile almost killed me, though. I, was I like, bet. So he, he told me he had a surprise at the end of the line. So I hurried up and got there. <laughs> it was fun, though. CJ didn't walk with me. I didn't take that many breaks, though. I just... You know, kept pushing through it. It was hard. Because um, the first time I learned how to roll with crutches, I was at rehab. And, I, and the girl told me, I said, yeah, we ain't never done that before. Like, we ain't never done that before. <laughs> and she threw it. And then they would teach you how to walk on crutches with some water. I said, okay, I'm just going to tell you. In my real life, 
I will not be carrying water in a cup with crutches. And I did it and stuff, and they would have me going up the hills and stuff. I'm like, okay, y'all, I'm not going to do this. I actually did do it. So it was, it, was, it, was, it was cool, though. And then now, I just do it. And then I had this freak accident. You're going you're gonna to remember that. We were going to Galveston, me being me. I'm trying to go get my newspaper, and I put my car in stop mode, but I just, I don't put it in park, I put it in. My car literally ran over me in my driveway. I fell, I was getting ready to get in the car and I fell. And I know God is probably saying, this girl needs to sit down. And it was <laughs> like, I'm over there trying to hold this big, this big, <laughs> I'm trying to hold this big Yukon, you know, this car like this. And it was just like, and I told people, I said, y'all, it was just like, God just picked it up. I said, we got to say this crazy girl again. <laughs> so my car rose all the way to the other side of the circle because I live in a circle. So I'm laying there and I'm thinking, because my phone is way on the other side over there. I'm thinking, how am I going to get? So I did a Wonder Woman move. So I just rolled, rolled no. all the way to the other side. And I called CJ and CJ. I said, the car just ran over me. <laughs> He was like, he was like, are you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm good. So we end up, so later on that day, we end up going to Galveston. Everybody's like, you should only go to emergency room. Was good. Yeah, you didn't go to the hospital? No. You're good. You're just like, was, no, I'm fine. I, I was good. I, it, it was so funny because people, I mean, it literally ran. Oh, it was just like, God just said, Lord, we got to do this again. This girl, what is she doing? And it goes, I mean, it rolls way over there. And our circle is big. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm right here. And nobody was up. And normally we have a neighbor that's always up. But he wasn't. So I just did my little Wonder Woman move and go all the way over there. And get in the car. I mean, I just had a roll, 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 roll. And I'm thinking. And I think about that, and somebody just did that. Somebody just did that, and they died. And I'm thinking, God, I must have, I must have a bunch of angels that be watching me. Like this girl has got to stop. You, he's got your bad me. Because all I really saw in my mind was, man, I'm finna die. Because I was like, because I'm literally trying to. I mean, and my car is a big car, and I'm like, and it just, and it was just, like, and I mean, it went over. My, I promise you, it went over my body, and I'm thinking, wow, because I, you know, after getting a call, wow, that was really crazy. I didn't get any scratches or anything. It went literally over me. It was, so did, it went over your, your chest, it went over your, your stomach, your thigh, like what, what part? It of went it? over my chest. And I drive a, a Yukon. That's a big old truck. And I tell CJ, and CJ is just like, you okay? Uh, yeah. You ain't got to come. You need to come? Nah, I'm good. She ain't talking about her chest, to be honest. <laughs> no, <laughs> This is the first time I'm hearing about You know how you stand up, and I fail. And when I fail, because once I fall, my body don't move that quick. And I was just like trying to hold it. <laughs> like, I don't know why I was trying to hold it. And stuff like that. So now I do put my cramp part when I go to the mailbox and stuff, because I normally just use my little gear thing to do that. Like and your handbrake, or? Yeah, it's a gas uh, pulling brake. 
Well, I had it where it was in it, but I think I hit something and it jumped out of what's car. So I hit the people car. <laughs> you so also hit the car. I hit the car. <laughs> I, I walk over there and I tell them, but they never opened the door. And so later on, my daughter goes and told them, you know, hey, she hit your car. She didn't mean to do it. This and that. But I think about that now, and I literally just saw somebody actually get killed because they car ran over them. I'm like, and but it was just like God just picked it up. <laughs> did it? Was it heavy? Did it feel like it? Did it hurt? I thought it. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking this is gonna hurt, and it just it just rolled, and it just hit the lady car. Boom, and I'm thinking. That's a long, because I'm thinking that's a long way to roll. Because I was already worried about the road. How am I going to get to my car? I said, to, I, so I, told my, I just did a Wonder Woman move and rolled over there, got onto the um, the step, pulled myself up, and just sitting there thinking, like, this did not just happen. I kind of laughed about it, like, this did not just happen. It just could not have just happened to me. And I think about how other people in their life, it's a miracle. I mean, that's... I know, and that's why I tell people, God had me here for some reason. I'm not sure why, but, I mean, people, you know, everybody be like, you never complain about anything, or, you know, you never hurt, and stuff like that. I said, I hurt sometimes, but it comes with the territory, you know, you just look it up, keep going. I fall down, I get back up, and stuff, and then one time my caregivers... They real good friends with us. And he had just had surgery. He had these big bolts in his back. So I was in the house, and I kind of slid off the couch. Well, I didn't have the heart to tell this man that I fell off the couch. So I had just did my two workouts. So then I was laying on the floor, like, like trying to act like I'm working. He said, man, you really dedicated. I was like, yeah, you know, just trying to get that exercise. The whole time I was trying to figure out, like, okay. How am I going to actually get back into my wheelchair? Because I didn't tell. And then when I told him, he said, why didn't you tell me? You just had screws put in your back. I couldn't do that. It was so funny. And I do. I'll fall down and stuff and see. they be like, mama, what are you doing? I just, you know, I'll fall down, but I get back up. You know, it's, it's not a big deal. I want to like just. That. So you show up. So he, CJ shows up. And are you still on the ground after your rolls, after you've been rolled over? He never came over. I told him I was good. You were just, you were good? You were just. I was, I was, I was good. He, I called him, I said, CJ. Never mind. I'm good. I just I said, rolled. CJ, the car just rolled over me. He said, do you need me to come back? Because he had just left, because he had just went to get gas in his car. Because we was waiting on other people. I said, see, if it wasn't for our friends being late, this would never happen. But no, he stayed home. not A tough cookie. Yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> that's one way to put it, yeah. Mm-hmm. A tough cookie indeed. He said, what else have I done that's crazy? One time I was at the gym. And I think it was a holiday or something. Me and my daughter went to the gym. So I'm working out. And I fell. There was a big boat about this big. I ripped my whole arm right here. So they come and they fix me up. Nick them fix me up. They said, you go in the emergency room? Nah, I got about 45 minutes and then we'll go to the emergency room. So I literally stayed there and worked out. 
for 45 minutes. So when I get to that emergency room, the lady asked me what happened. I was like, uh, I fell. I was working out. And I fell and hit the boat. She said, well, how long was that? Oh, it was about 45 minutes ago. You literally stayed there and worked. Uh, yeah, I had to do my work. I had to get my work out. <laughs> my daughter was scared. Like, Mama, I was like, girl, I'm good. Like, my daughter is more scared. CJ more like, Hey, that's that's what she wanna do. She wanna do. <laughs> At this point, she she got run over, she called me, she went to yeah. Galveston afterwards. Yeah, she's unstoppable at this point. I do. Now I have a niece that's she can say, how would I say? She worried too much. She worried too much. Like if I go to the bathroom one time we went cruise we went on a cruise and I went to the restroom, I said, Now if I'm not back in thirty minutes, you may need to come check on me. Just in case. What's your You gone. Okay, I was in the restroom. You know, like she over panics and stuff. Yeah. Like, don't do that. See, they don't. See, they, oh, she good. She good. You know, we, we good. We, you know, we do stuff. She'll take her time. She'll do her thing. Did Did you have a, an after, just a realization after the fact, just a gratification of life? Or were you all always this kind of, Person, do you always just get up and go, go get it done? I just don't let stuff bother me. You know what? I just, you know, go with it and stuff like that. And I remember back to the hospital when I went back to the hospital the second time because I had the halo on. I had the big, that thing was big. And our back to uh, when I was getting ready to come home, my friend Maggie got a van, on those handicap van. And they telling me to go with my wheelchair up in there. What I saw and what they saw, two different things. What I saw was, and then they said, you got really quiet. Man, I thought that thing was going to rip my, I thought it was going to rip my head out. Because when you're going up the ramp into the thing, it just looked like, because the halo was like, whip. And then they and then maybe like, you had it. I was like, girl, you don't understand what I saw. What I saw was, that thing was going to rip my head off. And I got the. Unscrew the screws out of my head. I had two screws here, two screws there. Do they drill them into your skull? Mm-hmm. But I told the doctor he should pay me because I had to get my friends, the city of College Station, to bring the. They didn't have the tools to undo them, so they just undid it. But I did like a bobblehead because once that thing come off, your neck is yeah. My neck was there, right there. You don't have any of the strength to keep your neck up or keep your head up. And then once I got it off, and then I called my doctor back in Houston and said, hey, I'm ready to come back. Because I had to go a second time to actually do the workout. Because I, I used to skip the workouts because I could only lift two-pound weights. I'm like, really? You really want me to go downstairs to lift two pounds of weight? So I would hide from people I had. One of the girls actually stayed in Austin, and her friends caused her rape, so she's actually paralyzed all the way down, from here all the way down. She was a tough cookie, though, because she always knew where to find me. Come out of the restroom. <laughs> I said, how did you know? She said, I used to do it, too. <laughs> so, yeah. And she was, a, she was a therapist as well? Uh-huh. She's a therapist now. How does... That's crazy. I mean, for someone to like, yeah, I always think that the way you learn best is by going through it, right? And so I think as coaches, 
they they learn best because a lot of them were athletes first and so they they have this introspection they have this knowledge built within them she's tough cookie though that they man. can go and talk so then she this being another wheelchair she done moved up and stuff like that so but, she so she's not entirely paralyzed from the waist down she can still move she can move, she can move just from here up so she can move around mm-hmm. and stuff like that that's pretty cool but uh yeah it going to a place like that was really diff- different because i never seen people like that before you know, they have like all these, you know, they have like the brain damaged people, people like me. I actually had a person that came into the hospital. Her, her, her son was a doctor in the hospital. She walked in the hospital in some kind of way, she became paralyzed. Like she caught something in there. And I, I had some of the weirdest roommates. Like my, like my roommates were like the one that fell off. Uh, I think it was a three-story building. She's alive. Miss Trin, that's what her name was, Miss Trin. Yeah, she some kind of way walked in the hospital and some kind of way got something, and she was paralyzed. Like a like a meningitis, like a bacterial meningitis, or just something? I don't know what it was. It was just that. And I said, Miss Trin, you should sure take a lot of meds because they were always called back for meds. But Miss Trin, I don't think you need that meds because you just had it just like two hours ago. Then I had. Uh, a roommate that was, she was from Iraq, but they kept saying she couldn't speak. So me being me, you have to know me. And she was crying. So my doctor was like, and I told my nurse, you know why she crying? <laughs> and my, my nurse said, you just so messy. Hey, it's just occurring between me and her. I said, she can, I said, she can speak English. They said, no, she, she want to go home to her husband. Because I heard her on the phone. So, you know, I'm over there telling stuff like that. But I always got kicked out of the out of my rooms because other people caught other kind of diseases and stuff. So every time I get my room just right, they be like, because they call me Trouble. My name was Trouble and Diva. Diva, you got to move. Why I got to move? Why I got to move? So they would always call me Diva or Trouble. Then we also got caught. Once they took me out of the power chair, they put me in the regular chair. So one of my nurses would roll me from down this long hallway all the way down to the elevator. Well, just as I got there, my doctor came to me. What are y'all doing? Nothing. nothing. Like they roll me, like they would push me, and I go all the way down. And then I start. She told me. Yeah, always doing something. You're drifting in the hallways. Well, I was the- sh- <laughs> it was what, I mean, it was di- I mean, it was it was so different. And then I actually met a classmate of mine, and um, he had got some kind of way he got on drugs. He was like really messed up. So the therapist would always say, "You just you you had like you know everybody because it'd be people that I knew." I said, "I know that dude." They tell me, "No, you don't." I said, I don't know which twin it is. It's either William or Tommy, but I know you. And his is it. And he had gotten judged real bad because he was talking about him. Like, See, I told y'all I knew that guy and stuff like that. But just going and seeing people like that, that was, I mean, I wasn't ever scared or anything like that. It was just like, and like my friend Sheila, she said she couldn't live like me. Like, it's just like, you know. It's just what you're now. This is just the existence. Hey, this you is just, reality. You just go. You just go with the flow. Uh-oh. It seems like the flow has been. I mean, you've handled the flow pretty well. 
I, I, better than most people. I remember CJ playing football. And I couldn't get anybody to ride with me to Coppice Code. I think it was going to Coppice Code or something. I couldn't get nobody. So I called my friends and asked, hey, y'all, just pray for me. I'm finna drive. So I get down there by myself. And I'm going and I'm like, good Lord, clean people can't drive. I see like, <laughs> I seen like literally 17 people doing crazy stuff. So I'm just chilling. And then there was police behind me, but he's not doing it. So my friend like, hey, who went with you to the to the game? Oh, CJ and my mom was but then they end up doing a ladder when they won. Who went with you? I said, nobody went by myself. Like, I literally drove down there by myself. Most of the time I would get in the car, but CJ didn't really like for me to help somebody just in case. But all I do is I just put in God's hand and go, go I just go. When did you start driving? I think 2014. That's pretty soon after. I mean, that's only four but years. You have, but you don't think you have a special license to do that. Do you, like, is there a specific way that the car is built in order for you to drive? For uh, they'll, Well, we got a company out of Houston. Came, they came here. Well, they want me to drive in Houston. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. Y'all come here. So they, you have to do, I think I had to do like 20 hours. Like a practice time? Mm-hmm. I had to do that. And... Then they took me up there, and I got it, and I was looking good that day, you know, going to get my license. <laughs> my the, my trainer was like, what took you so long? The DPS took me, I went from the DPS office to the speedway. I went like all these places. She said, they weren't supposed to do that. Apparently, DPS do not like messing with disabled people. They normally flunk you. I said, man, if I had to flunk that, I was going to be mad. Because then you, that's like $5,000 that you have to pay out of your pocket. Why? That's so much. For what? Because of, for the classes? You have to pay for the classes. And, and if I had went there, it would probably been cheaper. But I was like, uh-uh, they can come here and stuff like that. But yeah. And if I had a funk, I would have had to put it down another $5,000. You, yeah. You, can't, yeah. you have to do it. But once I got it. Ain't no stopping, boy. I just roll. CJ drives like he can drive it. So what does it look like, like on the inside? Does it mean? So it's a it's a hand control situation where there's one one lever basically. You push it to actuate the brake. You pull it to do the gas. Okay, kind of like kind of like a like a like a bike, like a bike, like a motorcycle. Almost a like forward. a stand, like a manual. It's almost. It's similar, but this one is just push and pull. Um, and some of them do have like a. Kind of hinge situation, but it's the same motion. To, to what it did. Same idea. Yeah. That does, that seems pretty. Like they designed pretty well. That sounds kind of cool. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that it was that simple. Yeah, she's had a couple different ones. So. so the ones that I got now, I love the first one I got. It was all right, but it was harder. But now the new one that I got, man, you just tap like that. One of my friends got in the car with me. We were we were somewhere, and I said, "Don't touch this. Whatever you don't touch." She just just barely touched it by accident. Man, I saw I saw Jesus. I was like, <laughs> I was like, "Watch the car! Watch the car! Get out! Get out!" <laughs> she said, and "Now everybody, like, I don't like your car because your car is really scary. It is scary once you get it, you know." But I always tell people, 
it's not really that hard. It's just, you just have to know how to do it. Now, when I drive, I can't get up to driving it. It's really hard because sometimes you'll hit 90 and not realize that you hit 90. You're out there hitting nine miles an hour on the highway? <laughs> or I'll be hitting it. Not trying to hit it, but be up there. I'll be like, man. But no, nah, it's it's different. Do you still go to church and things like that? Mm-hmm. I go to AM Church of Christ. Same place? Mm-hmm. And you stay pretty involved? Do you, like, do you talk about your story at all up there? I, I don't. Like- A lot of people have asked me to do that. And then I also had one of my doctors ask me to talk to people. But see, I'm so forward with stuff. It's just like, suck it up, you know. Like I have a nephew that's, he's getting ready to uh, get a kidney, what's called. And I said, if I was a doctor, I would not give it to you because you're not working for it. You know what I'm saying? You have to work for it. You have to prove to them that you're worthy of it. Like he did, like he wants everybody to feel sorry for him. I said, I never felt sorry for myself, did I see that? I was like, you know, people be like, I had a lady one time follow me in my store. I need to pray for you. But I grew up not all prayers are good prayers. So the lady kept following so I said, can you just tell the lady stop following me and stuff like that? But I'm more like, if you want something, you have to earn it. And my nephew, I'm just, you know, he's he's a big kid. And I said, well, just walk, you know, walk 30 minutes. Then, you know, add another tack. He wants everybody to feel sorry. I said, man, I don't even feel sorry for myself. And I don't. You know, if I fall down, I'll do something. I'll just suck it up. Like, suck it up, man. Like, come on, man. And stuff like that, but I feel like that's a lot of people. They want the attention rather than just the just because it seems so, so. It seems so simple. You make it sound so simple, and really, because it really is that simple. It's, it's as simple as just get up and get it done, right? Like just just true. keep just keep moving. I mean, it's just like people go somewhere, and you know, they want sympathy. Me, I'm like I'm good. You know, people like it. Oh, I'm good. You know, don't don't you just feel bad? Why? You know, maybe God wanted me. Maybe I'm supposed to be this way. You know, like my mom said, we are given a birthday and a death day. For some reason, God wanted me this way, and, you know, I'm good with it. You know, there are some pros and cons to it, but, and I go. CJ played football, and it was, he played football in the rain, and my friend be like, you going? Yep, going to the game, it rained. He went to Baylor. And they had a game there. It was raining, freezing. I was cold. I almost froze to death. <laughs> but, I, but I showed him I was there for him. I got to walk the field. I didn't realize from the goal line to the 50-yard line was a long way. Like, no. That's, that's, that's a long way. Because my friend was asking me, she said, she said you going to be on the wheelchair, wheelchair. So CJ had my hand in and this uh, <laughs> guy had my hand right there, yeah, and I walked. Nice. I, that, that, that was, I was so proud to do that. I was, I was very active with his stuff and stuff like that. And they'd be like, you going? Oh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. But I didn't realize. I said, man, did you know that long? And, you know, just going. And, you know, people stood up, and they gave me ovation because they looked like she started out in a wheelchair, and then now 
I walk on sticks in a minute though. <laughs> <laughs> started off paralyzed. I mean, I get like right. If you really think yep, about it, like paralyzed, started, yep. started off paralyzed, then moved to a wheelchair, and then now walking, walking a five k. And then my therapist here asked me, "What was I?" You know, like every spinal cord is given a name. I don't have a name. Like, you know, you have to be this or this or that. What do you mean? So what do you, like, uh. Like a categorization. Okay. So, I, so I never got one. So I was trying to tell my therapist here. When I was in Houston, they were trying to do it. But every time I get to them, I'm very ticklish. So the, my doctor like, you can't even feel ticklish. I know, but the whole point of it is you coming towards me and I know I'm going to laugh. <laughs> so that, so they never gave me one. She said, I'm done with you. I don't, she, she, she said, Diva, I'm done. I don't know what we're going to call you. We're just going to say, it, we're just going to call you by your name. So I don't have one of those. When I tell people, they're like, no, everybody has one. Everybody has a specific, unique name to their injury. Yeah. But most and people say, because of my injuries, there's no way in the world that I should be doing what I'm doing. I said, look, you're not going to. So I'm doing what I'm doing because I told you people I was going to do that. It so seemed- one of my therapists was actually scared of me. When I came the second round, she said, Judy, I was really scared. I said, why? She said, she's never had anybody like me before. They came in with the injuries and stuff like that. Because they claim that I'm not supposed to be moving any part of my body and stuff. I kept telling you knuckleheads, you have to. You have to have God. God just, I just felt like God did not have me have their wreck. And it just... Kill me off like that. So, I, I, I do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you're still, li- still living your best life. <laughs> that we do. That we do. It's, it's just, it's kind of, it's really fun to be able to listen to and to be able to watch and see and you make it sound so simple and it's, and, and, and make it sound so humorous all at the same time. And some people like, I, and I've had people say, there's no way I could do it. Yes, you can. If you have God in your heart, you can do anything. Anything is possible. You know, you just have to go with it. And I never, you know, I never really cried about it or nothing like that. It just, you know. And I remember going through court. They made, they made me the villain. And I'm like, look, that dude can now, he can walk. He can run. He can do all the things that I used to do. I have to learn how to adapt to the way I have to do my life. So, you know, what what happened to do? Do you know who that guy is? Do you guys like still know who he is? All I know is he's in jail for something that he did again, just like me. And I gave him a get out of jail card, and I, you know, I wasn't really mad because I was like, I was young, dumb, stupid, you know. So you had the opportunity to prosecute him, and you decided not to. We could have, and I didn't. I said, you know, he was young. He was the NM student. You know, it's no big deal. But I wanted him to learn from that. But apparently he didn't learn from that. So he just did it again and now he's in jail? Because they kept, they kept trying to blame the whole accident on me. Why? Because um, what happened was when we had it and we flipped over. See, they were we upside so I can't remember who was upside down. Was. The car ended right side down. There were five people in a BMW. Three ran away, two stayed. They made it look like I had beer 
well, maybe like the boy CJ and his friend had the beer. And I was like, think about it, y'all. If I had beer in my car and we flipped over them in time, my whole car should have been smelling like alcohol. The entire car. And I told him, I said, well, if you're going to blame it on my son, you just might as well kill me because I'm not going to let them get blamed for something that they didn't do. And it was like the boy's daddy worked at some kind of car dealership in Parker Heights. His dad gave him, let him borrow the car. Well, then once he got in and then his daddy made it look like this other man had a car and meant to know I sold the car to him. It was, it was, it was so much going on right there and stuff. And I was like, I didn't do it. You know, I was, but I was good with it. That's so shady. That's just like not people just not wanting to own up just to the fact of what they did. Oh yeah. It it was it was crazy though, but we you know, we got through it and stuff like that and my lawyer was like, You're the most patient person ever because that's what told <laughs> me. It wasn't about money, it was just here I am getting ready to retire. And my whole life went from walking, running, playing basketball, doing this, this and that to Adapting to a totally different lifestyle. And I adapt to it so good. It just, uh, it's what was it? One time my friend Maggie had me in a car. And you know how you just have that thing. She parked the car and I went to get out. She said, where are you going? I said, oh, my bad for a minute. I thought I could walk. You know, because my mind just said, okay. Because I opened up the door. She said, where are you going? I said, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I could walk for a minute. You know. She said, shut that door back. But she was more, she let us come and stay. She took CJ in and kept CJ until we moved around, until I came back home and stuff like that. But it was. How hard was it not being able to see your kiddos? That was the, that was the hardest thing. Because me and CJ, like, we were just like this. We were just like best buddies. We went everywhere together and stuff like that. But he learned how to do stuff, you know, then. Decided to play football and stuff like that. And he helped take care of me and stuff like that. I know. I know. He said he was able to go see you like once a month or so, but even then, for such a important time for mom and for for son, I mean, I'm, I'd imagine that'd be kind of like looking back, missing out on pieces of that part of his it life. It was. I mean, it was just like man. It was like I was calling. I was like, man, that's when I was told my doctor, I can't get back home. She said, well, girl, I've never been, that's what I was like, I've never been away from my child like that for that long. It took CJ, I think when CJ was in school, he never really spent the night over anybody's house and one of his friends had a birthday party and they invited him. I said, you mean like in, spend a night? Like spend, spend a night? Yeah, we don't do that right there, you know. It took me so long and then once I came from the hospital, I had to adjust to let him do what he needed to do and stuff like that. He would come and stay with me on the weekends and stuff when I finally came home and stuff like that. And so once you came home, he was still not staying there at the house? Uh, he was staying with my friend Maggie and my uh, my boss from the city. So he, they, they would take Scott. care of excuse, Yeah, they would take care of him. And he just did stuff, you know, then went to school. And stuff like that. Then he learned how to drive. And stuff like that. But we made it through it. We made it. We had some we had some hard times though, but 
that's what comes with it. I put myself, I try to think about putting myself in that position and just thinking, like, as, as a parent or as a mom, being there to teach my kid how to drive, but then not having that opportunity. It, it he kind of knew how to drive because we used to drive uh, way back before I had my accident. You know, he was, you know, trying to learn stuff like that. But mm-hmm. he adapted so well, but I think he missed out on so, so much because he had to kind of take care of me and stuff like that. And I'd be like, ah, oh, you can go hang out with your friends. I got it. Well, mommy, you going to be at home? But he said, I don't got, you know, do it, you know, I'm going to do it, you know. I mean, it's not a big deal because I feel like he, he got to get, he didn't get to do a whole bunch of stuff because he had to, he's worried, but that's why I was telling him, don't worry about me. I'm good. You know, God, come get me in a good position. You know, I'm good and stuff like that. And once he went to college, he was like, mama, where you at? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready to get on a, I'm getting ready to get on a cruise, cruise right now. Like and I was, I was just, and now what I tell people now I'm just living my best best life to go and call me homeless. That's all you can do though. You know you can't the way all and you can't blame anybody. You know things happen for a reason. And I feel like we were going through so much with my job, my primary job terminated me, and then me working a job. I mean I was literally working a job too. Like you can. Trust me, I was working eight jobs. I was working eight jobs. Just trying to pay bills and stuff like that. What was the rationale for terminating you so early on into the... I mean, or so you go so late on. You're, you're a year and a half away from retirement. Why, why, would, they, why would they fire well, you? Well, the lady wanted me to start working at nighttime. Because that's how good, that's how good I was. Now that I'm bragging, that's how good I was. You know, when you start working... Somewhere you kind of know what works and what don't work. Well, she wanted me to, and I said, well, no, nah, I can't work because, you know, I got CJ at home and stuff. Yeah. So she would ask me every day. I'm like, I'm not doing it. You got me here from 8 to 5. That's all I'm doing. And I and I and um, then I was also working with the city cop. So she didn't like that I was doing that. I'm like, well, I'm trying to rob Peter to give it a pop. I need this extra money and stuff like that. So... It was a Friday. I mean, I had to work myself to death. And then she called and told me I'll turn it. And I just, like, just that. It didn't really settle to me until that Monday. I didn't have a job to go to. So I went to unemployment, never been there before in my life. And people like, ah, oh, just, just pretend like you're looking for a job. That's not me. I'm just a work, work, that working. I said, somebody in this town gonna give me a job. I went back to the city car station. And whatever job they had, I said, I just need a job. I need a job for a year and a half so I can do it. So once I get back home home from the hospital, my retirement, they they gave it to me earlier. They gave it to me earlier. They gave me with honors. So I didn't get penalized. So the lady still didn't like the idea that I was getting my retirement. So I get my retirement and stuff like that. And this lady just does not seem like a very nice lady. She liked to see Jay. She just didn't like. She <laughs> didn't, she did not like me. And it wasn't that I was think I know anything. It was just I've been with them since I was fifteen years old, and I kind of know what roles and what didn't roll and stuff like that. And it was just like, and I just asked her like, "Do you hate me that much?" 
Like you just screwed my whole life. And we and we had no insurance when I had my accident. That's I right. missed it by one day. The county kind of came back and gave me another job with another uh building, but I missed it by one day. So then the money that I was getting from my mom's retirement. So basically, all we had was nine hundred and some dollars. So once we paid the eight hundred, all we had was twenty five dollars. How'd y'all make it? God's prayer and people from the city and in Church of Christ, just people giving us money. And I would, they would always ask me, "What did I want?" I don't need nothing. I'm good. Just help. I said, "Just, just help my son. Just help, help CJ." I, I told him I didn't need nothing. I, God gonna take care of me. Y'all take care of him. And that's how he got. Because I feel like that part of it, the financial part of it, is something that I can never really understand. I mean, you're now not working, and your retirement was cut short, and you're in the hospital. You have a kid who's under it, and he's not of an age that can work. How, I mean, how do you make it work? You just pray. I'm, 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 I'm literally telling you, you just pray. I remember... I had just set up, I had just started that working back with the county. I think I worked with them for two weeks and then I had my accident. And IRS called me. I owe them $5,000. And I'm thinking, okay, this is not going to be good. So then my lawyer had to do it. And I told him, I said, well, if you take this money, I told him, I said, look, all I got is this $900 from my mama's retirement. I need this to pay for my medical insurance for me and my son. If you take that, you might as well just kill me. They literally told me, Miss Judy, if you just got a dollar, whatever, just pay whatever. If you ain't got it, don't. And I was like, wait a minute, y'all, but God already is. Y'all don't play around like that. You know, they want their money. Yeah. And then once um, I was in colonial life way back when I worked in the county, so they sent me $30,000. I hurry up and pay them. They kill sending, I kill sending check back. And I sent it back. So then they go tell my lawyer, like, will you please tell her to stop? For some reason, they gave me a forgiveness. Like, they literally no. gave me back the money. I was like, wait a minute, this is already it. Because I said, no, I owe you this. This Judy, you don't. And I knew I did. Because I knew what I had paid and what I didn't pay. And I only paid, like, $500 before, just before my accident. And I still owe them $5,000 on their life. They wrote it off. I said, now, you ain't going to come back. Then I tried to get disability. It took me five years before I got disability because they said I was not considered disabled. Why? There was somebody in the Social Security office either didn't like me or didn't know me. They knew me, but they thought, other thing, I literally had to get a lawyer to give me it. It took them, yeah, it was about five years, and then we were getting ready to go to court in Houston, and the judge called me. He was crying. Like, I'm so sorry because I didn't know this. Somebody kept denying me. And I'm like, okay, can't walk anymore, can't do this anymore. And it, I mean, they literally denied me. For five years. And people will come and ask me, have you ate today? Yeah, I'm good. And I, I did eat. I just, I didn't 
like asking people for money because I was used to helping people. So it took me a while to get used to being helped. You know, I'm like, I'm used to help, I'm used to helping people and stuff like that. But I would always just ask him to help CJ and stuff like that. So he was, you know, he, you know, he, it changed his whole life just because at that time we had just lost my mom, his granny, and then my friend Maggie's mother had died and kind of got to know her. It was just boom, 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 boom. And then me, because he thought he was going to lose me. And then I told him, he's, what was it? It was something. I guess once I woke up or something, and CJ said something like, yeah, she's going to be all right. Because <laughs> I was just tripping. Like, I said, stop giving me morphine. And then after my surgery, they kept giving me morphine. I was like, can you please not do that? She said, why? I didn't need it. I didn't, you know, I didn't feel pain. Like if somebody bumped me or I did something, I'll just bust out laughing. Like I couldn't feel, like now I can feel pain, some pain and stuff like that. But it used to be, I would fall down and I'll just bust out laughing because it, it was funny. I thought, so why are you laughing like that? Because I couldn't feel pain. You just couldn't feel anything. It was, whether yeah, you yeah. fell or you did, I mean, it was yeah, just, it was, it was like, oh wow, I just or, fell. If I'm getting ready to fall or something, and you know, kind of like you know you're gonna fall, but you know you do, so you just laugh about it. And I'm okay, and I'll just sit there and just bust out laughing and come why? It was it was just funny, cause I know I'm gonna fall and there's nothing I can do. But now I'm getting kind of where I kind of break it, like I can reach down before I actually hit the green and stuff like that. But I like that you've stayed fit this throughout this entire time, and it and personally, just selfishly, I I want to believe I that that's a big part of it. Oh man, I remember going to exercise. I'm like, man, we got good. I'm not that, but then I feel like now that I'm going to exercise, that's what keeps me healthy. Because I said if I stop, man, I'm probably I'm probably gonna break down and stuff like that. But I go, I work, I go to work out at eight forty five. To about ten thirty, and then I go again at eleven thirty to twelve thirty. I do one at twelve to one, and what's that? I just go. That's your thing. That what do you do throughout the day? So that's one thing that you do. And you said that you're doing that twice a day. I did it twice a day, and then I'll sit at home watch YouTube. And then I go pick my grandkids up, granddaughter from school, and do that. But I need to get more active. I I told you that I do more. I get into more stuff to do. <laughs> so just like, no, I think you do enough. Right, so socially, she can she can get involved. There you go. Like when we did our running program, we used to do it Tuesday from five to seven, and Thursday from five to seven. Then Saturday, the kids had to get up and run, or if they had to run a marathon or something like that, and stuff like that. I was encouraged, and I'm like, come on, see them like. And all the kids, they love them. They still call me sometimes. You know, they're like, Miss Judy, what are you doing? You know, or I tell them, hey, when you call me, tell me who you is because, you know, I don't, you know, I don't do that like that. And they still <laughs> call me. I mean, they still, they just still call me and stuff like that. I love that. And CJ ran a marathon and a... No, I ran half marathon. I was going to say, you ran a marathon? Oh, nice, man. A half marathon and then you run the 10K. He got he got tricked into that. He did uh, 
Oktoberfest, he kind of got conned into that. The kid, come on, he's like, but he did, and I told him I was so proud of him because he, see, that's not a runner, but he would come and help me with the kids and stuff like that. And you're inspiring growth for these people for, for a long period of time. Ideally, like, they continue with it, you know? If you start them young, working out, then they get into their 40s, 50s, 60s, and they're better for it, you know? Oh, yeah. So you're changing their lives. I mean, it's a, it's not a not a small deal. I used to coach kids camps uh, here at, where I used to work, and it was one of the coolest, most special experiences I've ever had. And I started working another job, and I kept working over there, just training the kiddos because it to me it was it was valuable enough. Like it wasn't about the money, and it was about being able to be with somebody and teach them those little moments where they're like, they're, they're, they want, they want to quit or uh, they're having like their own, like they're fighting within each other, like little bullying things, like the little things oh, yeah. that are happening yeah, there that. that you get to like, like have a little bit of an impact for and kind of change, kind of guide their direction a little bit. And then it's, it's very fulfilling. That is so true. Cause like some of the kids were from juvenile and they would, you know, we have one kid, his name was Carlos and he would just talk all this little mess. Carlos, all this talking, you could have been down the road. So one time he got behind 30, 30 miles. Like, you're going to have to make it up because, you know, for them to graduate and get out probation early, they had to do that. And my trainer, Chris, was like, how do you know all these kids' names? Like, I knew them. I knew what they do and this and that. And he was like, because we weren't allowed to ask them what they did wrong. I said, I don't be asking them kids that. Them kids just feel like they should come tell me what they do and stuff. And they would ask me. Like, we had one kid get in trouble, and he had the little anchor monitor. I said, oh, I see you got some jewelry on you. <laughs> and he was, and he told me what happened. I said, now, it was 2 o'clock in the morning. What could you have done wrong, uh, 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 done? When they came and asked you, you could have said, no, nah, I'm going to stay at home. Nope, you chose to go on any camps and do that. And then you got the jury on. And Chris, uh, we, we're trying to get it back up and stuff like that. But I told Chris, I don't know about them, because them little kids bad now. Like kids, well, since COVID came, uh, kids don't, I don't know, kids are different now. They don't be wanting to run and stuff. They can be. I think it, as long as you, I think it's, it's our job now to, as coaches, to kind of like to, to educate, like to push them a little bit. But I saw that anything that was a little challenging for the kids, if it was running an, an extra game, like there was one game that we played spike ball and mm -hmm. they were not good at it the first time. And once they were not good, they decided, oh no, this is too hard. We're not going to play this game anymore. I was like, no guys, if we continue to practice it, we continue to play it, then it becomes fun. That, like that, that is so true. That is so true. But they're just not willing to go through that like first bit of uncomfort. Like, no one's ever good riding the bike for the first time. No one's ever good at uh, lifting weights for the first time. But the more you do it, the better yeah. you get. You, you have to push yourself. That's like some of the kids that went in the program. Miss Judy, this is just crazy. Why do we have to run? Well, apparently you did something wrong, so my buddy, you're going to have to do it. So then when they get through the 3K, man, I'm not going to be able to run that. I'm not going to be able to do that 5K. And then they do it. And then they do the next one. And they do the next one. That one kid, he wasn't really good, but he always came all the time. So he got scared. I'm like, you can do this. They gonna, we're going to get y'all through this. We're going to get y'all through that. And I said, I'm going to be at the finish line, waving y'all in. And I was. 
and they did it and they were so happy with themselves. I said, see, then when you first started, you told me what you can't do. I said, stop using the word can't. You never know what you do until you get out there and do it. I mean, some of them kids, oh my God, they, CJ ran with a couple of kids. He was like, one kid like, man, all I have to do is just sit on the couch. That's what we do. Or the parents wouldn't come out to support them. I was like, and I would talk to parents, come out and support your kids. I said, your kid just ran a 10K and you wouldn't even ever see. When they wear that, when they run that half marathon, that's amazing right there. Yeah. And the parents wouldn't come up, we would have a little party point. Parents wouldn't come, it's like, I said, your kids do what you do because y'all don't really pay attention to your kids and stuff like that. But they, they still call me. I got a lot of them that still call me. That's really special. And I need stuff like that. But I, and just do it. My grandson even had to do it because he got into some trouble. And he was he would always try to outsmart me. Well, I ain't going to run a day. Okay, that's fine. And I think CJ was in Evelyn. I said, well, CJ and the boys coming down. Well, I'm going to hang with them. So he had on his brand new Jordans. Had his pants falling down and stuff. I said, well, I don't know whether you're going to get the go. Is if you want to leave five miles. I literally had him run five <laughs> And the guy that runs the program, he said, how did you get that? I said, my TJ, no, I don't play that. But he was trying to play me. Well, I didn't my shorts. Well, you got them jeans on, them, them air joints on. Get to running. He ran. I said, you better come in second. And no, you can't come in first because that other boy going to beat you. He came in second. They come, how did you do that? I don't play that game. And stuff like that. Because they just asked me why I'm running. Thinking that y'all look at me. Miss you didn't run. She walked. She walked. <laughs> but I would always make sure they had their numbers, you know, make sure they had food and stuff like that. And all that much of it. I mean, I actually like doing that. And that's why I took it. I get something done because now I just sit at home. Now and really a lot to do because all my other friends work. They all got jobs and stuff like that. Do you? I mean, how often do they host the the runs? We used to do runs like once we do like a five k. Pretty much now and then we'd be ready to do our ten k around October and then our big one is in December. We get the kids to do that. They even got to do it one time when it was snowing. And uh, they come into this snow. I said, well, y'all ain't got to run. They literally ran. I said, okay, y'all ain't, y'all ain't back. It's just, we slide down the thing. Okay, you know. They like that. I mean, and it's the way you talk to the kids, too. And, like, the parents were like, well, Miss Judy, you you do so much with our kids and stuff. I said, because I just tell them, you are worthy of something. You have some kids that just thought they wasn't worthy. I said, you just choose to do d- dumb things at you know at the wrong times and stuff like that. But they all finished. I mean, I had one kid come up and tell me he had just got out of court, two in our court, and he was talking to me and he was like, "Yeah, you the wrong person. You ain't the right person." So everybody looked at me and said, "Yeah." So I said, "Well, I'll tell you what. Come back after Christmas. Come back in January and we'll talk about it." He came back then and he was like. Did you just one post to be? So he came down. Like, I didn't yell at him. I was like, he said, well, I can't run that day because I got to use my day as well. You can't be in the program because you got to come those three days. You have to run 
every marathon that we have. And he came, told them for, and finished the program. So what is this program? So you guys are having three runs a year. How old do you have to be to be part of this program? See, or the youngest kid was a youngest kid was nine, and he just ran just to run. But it's okay. like kids that come from juvenile, they get in trouble. They put them in that program to try to help them. The mm-hmm. kids said that was not boosting them. But that the boy said that was not boosting them out. That's just making them run for nothing. Cause half those kids were not runners. They. You know, you get in trouble, that's what they, they had options and the running group was in there and stuff like, they'll start with one mile and then we'll give them two and then we'll give them like three or four. And then on the weekends, they have to run a little bit more like five or six or whatever and stuff like that. How long ago did you start doing this? Yeah. Or how long did you like get involved with it? Is it since you graduated in 15? I think around 20... I want to say 2015, we did it. We started doing it. It's a, a lawyer. His name was... What's Kevin that name? He worked with Chad Jones. I know Chad Jones. He's a little bitty short guy. His name is uh, Kevin. I can't remember Kevin. Kevin got a part name. Kevin... Uh, uh, Cornegie, something like that. Kevin Cornegie. Kevin picked it up when he stayed in Oklahoma. It was a kid just running. And then he brought it here and got with my trainer, Chris, and they started that. And then I just kind of, you know, I didn't have nothing to do, just hanging around. And I started signing up the kids and stuff and all like that. And I loved it. I mean, I thought it was excellent because you had people from everyday life. It's a... Uh, they way out on the table where kids that don't have a home stay out there and stuff like that. They would come and stuff like that. I mean, it was neat. I thought it was neat. The mm-hmm. girls were probably the hardest. Girls just don't want to listen. The boys, the girls just did not want to run. And we had some fast girls that run. They just refused to run. And so you had to meet with with a certain amount of mileage to pass out mm-hmm. the program. You and have to. You have to. You got to do your miles. You got to do all three runs. And so, but I was so nice. We had one young lady. Parents had problems at home with her mom. The reason why she was in juvenile. And her grandma come. And the girl, the girl was black, but the lady was white. So, I, and it was like, I said, I wasn't being racist, y'all. I said, it's just, <laughs> that was not what it's been. So she was like, she was asking my daughter, I said, oh yeah, she quit like last month. So the lady asked, if the girl could come back, I said, well, I'll tell you what. If you go get her right now and tell her to come, she cannot miss no more time back there. That girl, that young lady came and she ran and she thanked me for doing that. We had kids that where their parents want to pull them out when they got one more run to go. Like, Why? And they well, I need her to babysit my daughter. I told the girl. Bring your little brothers and sisters, and I put them in, in my car. They can watch cartoon in my car, and did and they thank me for that Christmas. You just doing. I used to have these little kids spend a night on my at my house whenever they have a run, and we have to get up at five or six o'clock in the morning. I have to go pick these kids from Big Street, whatever, wherever, and stuff like that. So you I would had, go pick up the kids. Mm-hmm. I would pick up the kids. 
And I would let him spend the night because I was like, I don't want to get up there early. I pick him up. And they were all on kind of some kind of made, okay, you take your meal. Don't make me do that, come in and get you. And they, they appreciate their parents and stuff like that. And uh, they would come. One parent was literally telling her daughter she couldn't run the last race on her. She can't finish the program unless she finishes the last one. And I mean, they were all good people and stuff like that, but it was just the parents didn't put in what they should have put in to program. Because we give them water. We, so we enrolled them into the thing. They didn't have to pay for the race. We pay for the race. We gave them water. We buy them. They get tennis shoes for breakfast running up to a $200 shoe. Like, they got some good shoes. Each each season, if they run in the fall, they get a new pair. If they come in the uh, spring, they get another new pair. Is this a non-profit? It was, it was, a, it was a non-profit. And what's the, what's the name of the program? Lone Star Running. Lone Star Running. Mm-hmm. And the guy... That's behind it is Chris Adams. He works at Brazos Running. Does he own Brazos Running or works at Brazos No, Brazos he just Brazos? works there. So we, me and him have been talking about it. I said, man, we need to do something. So now we may go different and just get any kids that want to run. Because I don't know about them juvenile kids, boy. They don't, they don't be wanting to run. They won't run no more? They're not like they used well, to? Well, since COVID came, they, what's called so they don't got lazy. Just get like getting a group of people to run, just like three we different just, races. Just a year. have people just come and ask and they run. Hey, can we run? Okay. You know, we put them up in there and stuff like that. And we register them to all the uh, runs and stuff like that. And then we go to Remont. There's somebody that we affiliate with. Well, they'll let us go out there and we run on their property. Like they got a big property out there and they. Let you run, park your cars, and then we go to Milliken. Most of the time we go to Milliken and run and stuff like that. So that is super cool. I want to go. I want to go meet this gentleman over there, Chris. I want to go. Chris, oh, oh man, Chris Adam is good. Yeah, tell him we sent you over running. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go running, but so I'll, I'll get, go. So we would get mentors to run with the kids. Yeah. So my grand, when my grandson was in, he. Because his name was old, he can run. How old is Chris? Chris is, he's not even in his 40s yet. Okay, so he's still a young kid. I say he's young kid. Age, but, but he probably is almost 40. He probably just not telling me that. <laughs> so, no, he's a, he's a good person. So he does he does most of the races around here. Because they got one this weekend, but I'm not sure what race it is. He'll set them up and stuff like that, do timers and stuff. He sometimes come here and see that he come out there and do something, you know. Oh, uh, hand out water or something. That was very cool. I want to be involved. It make, like it, it motivates me to want to be involved. I, I have something like a uh, a goal inside of this this realm, this space that I would like to continue to to, to venture out into and then learn from other people that have actually done it and see that seem to be very successful with it. So he definitely seems like someone that I could learn from. Oh yeah, he does. He does a lot of races. Sometimes we did one that was called "Don't Stop." He just continued on twenty four hours. He did a race in Huntsville at the park. He was gonna do a hundred miles, but he got down to six eight, and he got something happened to the back of his leg. He had this big bump, so he had to pull out. 
He was so mad. And we went out there to support him and stuff like that. I said, now that support him, I'm going to go. Because this looks scary out here. And stuff like that. But they do a lot of running. And uh, he also did a, what is it called? A bike swim. A triathlon? He did that in Africa. This is the first American. He he represented America down there. He went down there. Ooh, that was back in maybe 2015 or 2016. He got to be one of the guys from America. He had so much fun. I asked him when he was going to do it now. He said, oh, I got two kids. I ain't going to do that for a while. <laughs> so, yeah. but he, he did it once. They run a lot, though. I mean, he got some more people that run and stuff like that. They just go to Milliken and run. I'm going to go get a run, man. Okay. And they're running 20 miles at a time or so? They He might do like six, but sometimes they'll get into the races where you run like 50 miles or what you call them, stuff like that. It's neat to see people run, though. I mean, that's a, that's a different style of running. I, I can run a couple miles. <laughs> I don't know if I can run 60 miles, 100 miles. You know, those ultra marathoners, that's, that's an insane type of... I mean, of it's amazing. They just run... One guy ran... The whole marathon one time. And he just walked in there like he wasn't just. I'm like, he ain't even reading. Then the other people coming, they look like they about to die. I mean, it's. That would be me. <laughs> I would look like I'm about to pass after mile five. I was proud of CJ when he did it. He did it with one girl, and he said, Mama, the girl kept lying to him. She kept telling CJ, We almost hit the finish line. She did, Mama. The more we ran, we was not getting <laughs> yeah, We were about two or three miles away, and she kept saying, it's just like 100 more yards. <laughs> so I'm sprinting the last two or three miles, dude. But I, kept, see I kept stopping, those... and I was like, damn, where is it at? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Betrayal. On a trail. Betrayal. I said, see that what happened to Mama. She kept saying, we were there. We wasn't there. I mean, but to see those kids that told me they couldn't do it come through there, and I was telling them, I said, I'm just so proud of y'all because y'all did. I mean, did it. We're not going to be able to do that. We, and you made it. Each time y'all ran one, you made it. I mean, they would do it. And then we had one kid that actually ran. He finished the program and moved to Houston, and we were doing a marathon, the last one. He said he called me the night before Miss Judy. This is, this is, uh, so-and-so, uh, I want to run. Have you been running? No, ma'am, but I got it. He beat some of the kids that had been practicing running. He came in and ran. So I told his mom, I said, well, he can spend the night with me. So he stayed the night with me and stuff. And I was, Chris, like, where'd he come from? I said, he called me up on the phone and asked me, could he run? <laughs> and he ran. And he was such a quiet kid. And I kept saying, what could this kid have done that he was so quiet? But he moved to Houston and came back. And we put him out to Chris. We got one kid that show up. Chris said, well, give him that. And he ran. Wow. And beat him. Chris said, who was it? I said, that was the other kid. Chris said, I don't, because Chris could never keep up with the names. And I could, oh, that's so-and-so over there and this one. He said, how you know? I know all of them. Like, I know them all. And they have so much respect for me. Than they did for other people and stuff like that. I think our youngest runner was nine, and he was just running. But as he got older, 
because Dale was putting more pressure on him. Because he just liked to perform, but the dad was making it, uh, you know, he need to do better in this and that. Like, dude, he only nine. Like, yeah. <laughs> dude, he's only nine. So then as he got older, he would come, Miss Judy, my leg hurt. I said, okay, just just, just sit it, just sit in my car. But then he wanted to watch the cartoon. He wanted to be a kid, but his daddy kept making him compete and stuff. So he, he kind of didn't want to run no more and stuff like that. You see that a lot with a lot of with with some. You see that with some parents where they they drive it into the kids to be an athlete, and then the kid just like I don't really want to do this anymore. They get tired of it, you know, and it's it pulls the kid away from the sport, and it's so yep, sad. That is so true. Yep. Like you just gotta roll with it. You gotta let them do the thing. If they love it, they love it, and then they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. Well, Miss Judy, I, I appreciate your time. Well, thank you. But it is getting a little bit late. Okay, all right. Is, well, thank you. I, I, thank you for coming by. You're, oh. you're an inspiring story, okay. and you have a lot of stories. You're a comedian. You're <laughs> you're just you're I'm a little bit of everything. <laughs> You've lived a heck oh, of a life. Thank you. So thank you. All right, all right. I want to leave the last couple minutes, just whatever you want to say to the mic. If you want to give, you know, whatever you want to talk about, the last the last minute or so is yours. All I just want to say is just never give up. Just, if, if you believe in yourself, you can do it. I used to tell CJ that all the time when he was doing his way lifting. I just can't, boy, give it time. Sometimes you have to go in stages. Everything just don't come right there to you. Just never give up. Just keep going. Keep striving. Because I do it every day. Every day. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that was fun. Thank you for listening to the Ben Navarro's podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. 